Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women investing in women, and bridging the gender gap and wealth through Web3. Blockchain technology can be anything. That's what they're doing. They're here to support other women, and they are supporting themselves in the process. They said 70% of Latin Americans are underbanked or unbanked. 51% are using crypto. And we actually have a country, Iceland, who is at 90% parity. And guess what they have? 12 months maternity leave. Isn't that gorgeous? Women, do you want to wait 132 years to have a year maternity leave? I don't. Go from can't to can. I'm your host, Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. Welcome to Women Who Web 3. It's your girl, Cams. On this week's show, we're graced with the presence of Dr. Bumi Babajide, founder of Coral App. And she is not your typical health startup founder. She comes from a design engineering, product manufacturing, and management consulting background and has enjoyed spending the past 16 years working in the automotive, aerospace, chemical industries for the public and private sector. She earned her PhD in engineering education from Purdue University. And her story in the world of Web3 startups began a couple years ago when she was pregnant with her first child. She wanted to track her health and she found a few apps, but each one was missing something to give her and her medical team a full and accurate picture. So in March of 2022, Bumi decided to take the leap away from her engineering background to focus her entire efforts on changing the way we all track monitor and monetize our health data. She took a leap into the fast-paced world of Web3 and launched a health and wellness startup. And here today we have her to share her entire story. Welcome, Bumi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. We're <laughs> so excited to have you here. Just, as a matter of fact, we were just on a Twitter space the other day together. And yes. I invited her up because I was just like, I just have to hear what this powerhouse <laughs> has to say. We were talking about monetizing the metaverse and she had so much to talk about. We'll get into it. But first, the burning question at the start of our show, what gets you up in the morning? What gets me up in the morning? Well, I have a few of them, Cams. I'm a mother of two boys. You know, one is three years old and the other one is now seven. So even if I don't want to get up, they get me up um, in the morning. Um, <laughs> one is an early riser. He's up at, you know, six in the morning cooing already. If I'm not up, I mean, of course, center of my life. 
because of the way uh, Web3 is, I've actually been programmed to wake up so early because of that for many years. I mean, I really enjoy the space. Web3 and my little ones definitely um, are the two things that uh, gets me up in the morning. They get me giddy. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, when I was reading your bio, I was just really, really impressed, uh, especially because I don't meet many women in the automotive and aerospace or chemical industries. How did working in those industries influence your approach to building your startup? And has it helped you navigate Web3 as well? Yes, I started my career in the automotive industry. And, you know, I have to just give a little shout out here to Ford Motor Company. Uh, every time I talk about, about my career, about my experiences, that's by and large, by far, uh, where I actually picked up the most around leadership. The training and development program was extremely thorough. And I think even till today, it's carrying me through. And a lot of everything that I've become is because they teach you to follow process and do things a certain way. A lot of ideas around leadership um, also came from there. So everything I learned from there, pretty much pre- you know, repackaged, moving into my next career. And of course, I had the management consulting uh, side of my career as well. So, I mean, all of those things together, it's like the combination of all the learnings, all the breadcrumbs throughout my life has really brought me to this point where I felt like, you know, I can take all of that and turn it into experience that I can use to shape the idea of even considering being a founder. And I think it's been very helpful. Wow. We do this a lot on this show. We ask, how can we impact communities and companies to empower and really put structures in place to uplift women? And that's something that hasn't come up is just companies who invest in leadership trainings. That's really important. I don't think it's stressed enough, you know, that there should be a focus on that. And especially with me, you know, in engineering, I mean, I have to say, I didn't see that many women. I was in uh, corporate America for uh, 19 years. And out of the 19 years, I think I worked for one woman uh, that was uh, a manager or my direct manager. But everybody else, you know, were people that I worked with, but it wasn't that many of us. And I think it's changing with time. I think that we're starting to see more and more investment in the idea around, you know, encouraging more women to be in the engineering space, encouraging more women to be in leadership. But of course, there's always more that we can do. And I think more and more companies are self-conscious. I think uh, at some point, GE wanted to have half of their workforce be women by 2020, I think. But I mean, of course, it didn't happen, but it was almost like them making a statement to say, hey, we're going to be intentional about this and we're going to you know, try to drive as many women here. And I think more and more companies are picking up on that to say, okay, for us to even make any headway in allowing women to come with themselves and their kids and their husbands and family, we have to, you know, accommodate who they are and, you know, adjust for that and put them in those kind of spaces and create programs for them. So I think companies that are doing that will be very, very, I mean, wildly successful. Yeah, I agree. In the past, when I had companies who offered training, and, and we talked about this before the show, too. I never thought about those little journeys being something that led up to like my biggest wildest adventures and to my best opportunities. But I'm happy I took advantage of them anyways. So I'm, I'm so curious with your background in engineering, especially like what attracted you to Web3? We talked about intention right now. What was the intention behind putting your startup in the Web3 space versus traditional Web2, like my fitness pal and things of that nature? What? <laughs> Why Web3? Oh, you know, I love telling the story. So I stumbled upon Web3, by the way. And back then I was going through a breakup and I didn't understand what happened. 
you know, the young man just came in, like my Nigerian friends would say, he served me breakfast. You know, I was trying to figure it out about, you know, how did this happen? And I was, you know, up that night and I just happened to be in my email account. Uh, then I think it was in a Yahoo account. And it was like a little pop-up on the side of the screen that said localbitcoin.com or something. And I'm like, well, okay, what's that? You know, of course it looked like something financial. So I was like, okay, well, you know, so through my tears, uh, I found Bitcoin. <laughs> I, <laughs> so I decided, you know what, you know, let me see what it's about. So I started looking into it. Back then, I mean, you could literally access anybody. Bitcoin talk was like a big thing, you know, and everyone was like anonymous. It was like this kind of secret thing. It was just coming out of Silk Road at the time. And I had no clue what Silk Road was. I didn't even know the history of it. I just know that there's this interesting concept around money that's not fiat and a type of mode of, of exchange that allowed people that even if they didn't have a bank account can access something. And for me, that's huge coming from the fact that, I mean, I was born in Nigeria and I mean, raised here in the States, but when you think about what it takes to be able to do international transactions or to even have, you know, somebody in your hometown access funds and for them to even get anything from you, they have to go figure out how to get a bank account. They have to go and, you know, take all the, I mean, it's a stressful process and some people just don't want to do it. So for me, it was a huge, huge potential that I was looking at. I mean, I called up all of my friends and said, listen, there's this thing out there that you don't need a bank to actually transact. And you know how difficult it is, especially when you're dealing with, you know, third world countries in undeveloped areas. So I started finding out about, you know, more and more right around that time, XRP, then it, it used to be called Ripple. And the community was so small, got into that as well and bought my first two Bitcoins. You know how, how I did it? I went to a bank. I, had to, I told the guy, I was like, look, in case you want to rob me, you're going to have to rob me inside of a bank. <laughs> oh my God. So, so I met up with him inside the bank and, you know, he took my money. I, you know, I gave him, you know, I, I didn't buy that many because I, I asked my brother-in-law, who is a financial advisor, I was like, don't do it. It's a this, it's a scam. Don't do it. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'll bet as much as I'm willing to lose. Right. So I, I, I took a little bit of money and I went and bought it. And he was like, well, when you get home, you will see something in your local Bitcoin account. And I'm like, okay, uh, what am I going to see? I mean, you're not going to give me right now. <laughs> And he's like, no, it's, it's going to show up on your computer at home. So I was like, okay, well, I just got scammed. So when I got home, I checked and I was like, oh, it's there, you know. And the next day it went down by like 90%. So I just said, you know what, forget it. But throughout the years, I kept learning more and more. I stayed connected in the community and I realized more and more potential for Bitcoin. And then Ethereum came along and you know, XRP and all these other things. And even the potential just started to grow. So I became part of several communities. And with that, you know, I had my little understanding of what Bitcoin could do, but I didn't want to start a project because I didn't have anything substantial. And as to why, I, I didn't have a big why. Fast forward, you know, 2020 came along. I mean, late 2019, you know, with everything that happened with me, because my first few pregnancies weren't really successful. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I want to track my health. I want to see what's going on. I want to make sure that I'm staying on top of things, right? With that, I mean, I downloaded so many apps. At first, I was like, maybe it's just me. You know, some of them are just completely ad-ridden or I'm paying, you know, monthly subscriptions in three different places to track different things. And I was like, wait a minute. I only use like 10% of one, 5% of the other, you know, 15% of this. Why can't I have one single app that gives me just the basics that I need to just track, simply track my health. That's all I want to do. I don't need all the fancy stuff. 
I just want to track my health. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the journey. And that married with, I used uh, one app. I don't want to mention the name of it, um, but you can probably find this by just Googling it. It's the most used app that women use to track their period and ovulation. And I mean, trying to conceive, I try to use it at the time. And it's like news came out that they were selling women's data. And I'm thinking, okay, first of all, there are two men who actually head this company. So I don't think they understand what happened there, but I'm hoping that they did. But it really upset me, you know, that my data is something that you sell to Facebook and Google to target me for marketing. And I was like, okay, you know what, even if you want to do that, where's my share? So before I knew it, things were starting to form in my mind about, you know what, I can use the idea around DeFi to allow people to stick their data. And I can use um, blockchain technology to allow people to be able to access this product without them having to need fiat or having to have you know, Visa, MasterCard, or any type of bank account to be able to access a tool to help them track their health. So as time went on, it morphed into something even bigger than me. And I'm doing all of this scared. And I think for me, that's the biggest part for me. That's like the biggest excitement for me is that I get to jump into this thing scared every single day, uh, knowing fully well that you know, every now and then I get that little, oh, you know what? I got my mom involved and now she's using it. She's using it to track this because she has high blood pressure. Oh, she's using this because now she knows how many steps she's taking because she's usually in the house. Now she walks at night. That for me, I've already won. So that's kind of how I got there. Yes, I get excited oh talking about this. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. And, and, you know, as I was listening to your story unfold, I was just thinking of my own journey and I related to so much of that. I just wanted to address, you know, I'm so sorry for the unsuccessful pregnancies, it's a lot for women to go through. And we just never know when you meet someone what, what they're doing, scared. And so I love that you said that you're, you're building scared. I love that. And just do it and, and do it scared. While I was pregnant, I, I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. I was paying all these subscriptions for a pregnancy tracker, for a fitness app to log all of my calories and make sure I was eating the right nutrients. And then I was uh, logging when I was taking my prenatal pills and so many different things. And then I got gestational diabetes. And then I, Ooh. you know, when, when you get that, there's a lot of feelings and shame attached to it. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm unhealthy. I'm this, I'm that. But for me, like I never came close to having diabetes, but gestational diabetes ran in my family. My mom had it, my Lola, my Lola's Lola, everybody had it in the Philippines. And so... When I got it, I was like, how do I stay on top of this? And I Googled every single article. None of my fitness apps had anything to track it. And they do not consider pregnancy or breastfeeding where we have to eat additional calories. And on top of that, <laughs> there's so much misinformation in healthcare. And there's so, like, you, you just don't know. You're like, can I eat? Can I eat ham? Can I not eat ham? And there's just so, it's, it's crazy because I had never used Google that many times in the life when I first got pregnant. It was just wild because that misinformation is scary. And when you talk to your doctors, they're like, well, no, but this and this. And then you talk to your mom friends, like there's just so much. And so I'm really glad, one, you're using the power of blockchain technology because it's ownership of your data. I was wondering about that. I was like, what made her go to the Web3 space? And then also using blockchain technology to go past those intermediaries and not have to have a bank Absolutely. account. So you're, you're able to include more people. So that's, that's really cool. That's what attracted you. Join Coindesk Consensus 2023, the most important conversation in crypto and Web3, happening April 26th to the 28th in Austin, Texas. 
consensus is the industry's only event, bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer. Creators, builders, founders, brand leaders, entrepreneurs, and more. Use code WEB3WOMEN to get 15% off your pass. Visit consensus.coindesk.com or check the link in the show notes. Moving a little bit more towards this earning model, like you said you monetized your healthcare app. What is what does that look like? And what's your advice to people who are who want to build in this space but also do good but get profit from it? You know, I think the first thing I want to say is I think there's this narrative out there that because we're in this creator economy or free mint type of economy, oh, that everything has to come free. I am not a believer in that. I mean, we're in a capitalist society. I'm sorry to say, right? If you think about it, we just talked about the fact that I know the journey that got me here, but then the here part is waking up every single day. Literally, you're working around the clock. And sorry, I'm just going to have a sidebar here for any founder who's feeling guilt uh, about you know monetizing or saying that they're going to charge something. Your time is money. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do good, but also making a profit. If you don't want to make a profit, then you run a charity, then you run a foundation. But every company themselves, right? <laughs> like every company that exists, they first make revenue, then they offer funding for different things. Now with that, Coral App is a company. It's not a charity. So monetizing people's data for them is that the way we've structured it is all the data that you have that you're collecting on a daily basis about yourself. The idea is that if you're generally healthy, you go to the doctors maybe once a year to do your yearly checkup. Now what happens in the other, you know, 360, you know, four days in a year? Well, maybe you have a headache, you take, you know, Tylenol or something and pain here or there, your mood, you're not really following what's going on. So if you use the Coral app, for example, and you're tracking on a daily basis, I can now go to my doctor and say, hey, here's everything that's happened to me in the past few months. Is there a trend there that we can draw? And of course, there's so much that we can talk about later about what else we're doing I mean, with that. But on the other side is saying, okay, I have all this data about myself. The app, I've already stored my pre-existing conditions in the app. Um, I've stored my activity data there. I now have a daily information about myself that is extremely good information for certain organizations are interested in that. They want to use it for machine learning. They're interested in it for different things that they're developing and they need big data. So having this data from one individual, I mean, a bunch of times uh, in a month and a week is good data for them. So why not make it benefit both sides? Somebody wants to buy my data, sure. But then I get something in return for it. We're just the intermediary that will help you present the data. And then, you know, it's sold. We give you your own part of it in return. So being a platform that does that, we'll make our money for sure. So that's no secret. But the owner of the data will also benefit from that transaction because instead of it being what exists now, which just one company buys your data from one source and they take everything, you only sign a box. You don't get to see the monetary value. But now we're putting everybody in front of it. And you can choose not to stake your data, which means you're choosing not to monetize your data. For some people, it might not be good money. It, it might not be substantial money that could be life-changing. But because we deal with a global society, I mean, in a global manner with Web3, if I make $5 in uh, one week, maybe I can go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and buy you know, my favorite things. I'm not going to tell you. But... 
<laughs> someone might look at the $5 and say, wow, I can feed my family for, for, for one week or for two weeks. So that's literally putting everyone at play here to allow us to reach certain potentials with what we have. If my data is good enough for me to be able to sustain my family, then why not? So that's kind of what we're enabling here is to allow people to own their data and choose to monetize it if they want to, not because they're just going to monetize it for them anyway, because they showed up on a platform. That makes so much sense. And wow. So, okay, you're securing users' data. You're moving it away from centralized corporations that sell data (laughs) and giving them a way to monetize, whether it's a couple bucks or not. It's still ownership of data that's really powerful, especially healthcare data. I'm staking mine. I don't look, I'm one of those people. It it doesn't matter how much I have. If I make $5, I'm doing the happy dance and I'm going with it. Like everything counts because, you know, some people in the community are saying, hey, are you also staking your data? I am. Are you going to be claiming? Uh, yes, I'm going to be claiming it. And it's like, oh, but, <laughs> Go ahead. But then, but like, you're the founder. Yes, I'm the founder, but doesn't mean I'm not a user. So I, I'm the company and I'm also a consumer. So if you're claiming yours, I'm claiming mine. Everybody will claim theirs. <laughs> I love that. You mentioned machine learning and big data. And I was reading up on a Coral app and it looks like you were playing in, you were uh, playing into artificial intelligence. What role do you see AI playing in the future of health and wellness? And how is Coral App incorporating it into your platform? Uh, I think it's huge. I, I think it's bringing so many things closer. You know, just about maybe five, six months ago, there are just a few apps that are, I mean, they were actually actively using such technology. And I mean, they're charging, I mean, a good amount of money for their platforms. It's because you're able to give people information about themselves that they couldn't get before just simply by engage in the power of machine learning. Now we're using it for different things on the app. For the most part, for this phase one that we're in, we're using it for our camera enabled vitals checker. And it's an AI technology that uses a camera on your phone or your finger to collect up to 13 points of data um, about you. So you stare at the camera and it gives you your blood pressure, it gives you your, the amount of uh, water that's in your body. I mean, all these things are estimates. It gives you your, um, how many beats per minute for your heart. It gives you this kind of like this overall score, you know, I guess like an overall like health index as well. It's not perfect, of course, and newsflash, there's no perfect uh, equipment out there, even the ones that are used in the hospitals, but they're all within a margin of error. So what we're doing, it cannot be considered a medical device yet. Of course, the product is going through levels of certifications and things like that. But because of where we are, it could be used as a wellness tool. So that's what we're using it for. Imagine being able to just stare in front of your camera and be able to get just basic information about yourself, about your general health. For me, it's huge because imagine the same unbanked people, the type of people that we're trying to serve who, who might have a clinic that's maybe, you know, 10 miles away. So it's one of the highest killer or silent killer of people, especially uh, in West Africa, is high blood pressure. And some people literally just, you know, pass on in their sleep or they pass on literally behind the wheel just because they didn't know that they have those conditions. But 97% of the people have a smartphone. So which means if you have a smartphone, you can access this app, right? So I can use my camera on my smartphone to take these measurements. So without having to buy anything extra, I can get a general idea about my health using AI technology. Gosh, Bumi, I'm well, first of all, I'm like, wow, I've never heard of AI technology being so powerful, especially 
helping to augment the healthcare tracking process, especially for individuals. I'm really excited about that. You've had so many successful milestones. You've got pre-seed funding from Binance Labs, were in two hackathons, in, in, including the Polygon one, received a bunch of grants from so many different places, so many different Web3 companies and communities. And now in 2023, you partnered with the AI company, have thousands of beta testers, and then you have the public testing and staking feature. Through this entire journey, You've had so many different experiences, I'm sure maybe some upsets that hurt a couple nose. To close out our wonderful show where you're just blowing my mind with everything you say, what advice do you have for women who are listening who are like, you know what, there's a gap in the market that I want to fill. I want to make my own startup. What advice do you have for them on going after funding or staying with this, this journey or sticking through it? How do you keep going? Oh, Kams, I love the way you try to put it mildly that you heard a couple of no's. No, I heard a lot of no's. I heard a lot of, oh, that that hasn't been done before, or you're not going to you know, be able to land that. Or, I mean, I've met with so many VC funds that I'm grateful for the conversations, discarded some of the comments, literally readjusted my crown and kept going. You know, I think everyone will tell you what to do or what not to do based on their own frame of reference and based on what they think that you can achieve, not based on what you know inside of you that you have. So only you know what you're capable of doing. Only you know what you're capable of delivering. And as long as you have that fire in you and you know what the end goal is and you know that your heart is good and what you want to do is good, then you go with a reckless abandonment and you do it scared. Still today, even with everything you've said, I, I feel humbled by you actually saying that back to me. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? Oh, yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> I'm still in shock sometimes to know that I've come this far. But what I would tell any woman in this space is, for me, at least, I can only talk about my journey. It's a better place to get funded, to get started than Web2, because when I showed up at the Binance Lab process, they didn't know who I was. They didn't know anything about me. All they asked me for was my product. They wanted to know a lot about it. I was wondering when they were going to ask me all of the personal questions. No, they were very focused on the fact that they were interested in solid projects and they liked what they saw in the project. I applied for several grants and it's in the little, little grants that added up to give me enough leverage to have enough to continue to build. I bootstrapped some of it, but I also got, you know, all of these little grants. They might not mean anything, but it's in the little grants that you collect more network, you get to meet more people. I mean, you literally get to, you know, now have access to certain people that you're texting, asking for advice. If you're serious about what you want to do, just literally, you know, go and look for grants. Those grants add up. It might look like a long process, but Continue to get the little, little grants because those little grants will become big grants. And those big grants, by the time you look back, you're like, wow, I've done so much with all these grants. You package all that and then you face the VC side to say, hey, here's, here's my MVP. And this is what we're trying to do in the future. Now, that sets the stage for you to present, I mean, a bankable product that a, you know, a VC fund that might like what you're doing can invest in. And that's what I did. I'm literally what I did because I didn't have anyone to say, oh, it's Boomi. Sure, we'll write you a check. No, in the middle of all of that, I, I heard a bunch of no's. I mean, if anything, 
when I see the emails come in and I see the title, thank you for, I just delete it because I know what's in the body. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know that what, what's in the body of that email is not going to feed my soul. But when I see the congratulations, that now I want to talk to you. Yes, let's talk, you know. So that's the way I protect my spirit throughout the whole process. But uh, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. But if you're an entrepreneur, you would know what to do. You just get up and keep putting one foot in front of the other. And before you know it, you arrive somewhere, you know, that is way farther than where you started. And um, you'll be proud of it. Thank you so much, Bumi. I really feel like I should just go apply for grants right now. <laughs> I, I have one micro question. If you could, we have about a couple seconds left. Where did you find these grants? Like, did you just Google grants for businesses or I've never seen those oh, before? Oh, it's, it's all Web3 grants. So I was part of the Zilliqa community at first. And then okay. I found out that they had a fund. It was a small fund. I think it was about $15,000 fund. And then I applied uh, with the idea for the project and what I wanted to do. Um, oh. And from there, I was like, oh, okay, great. A, a okay. lot of DAOs have grants as well. So I went in and with what we were able to build with Zilliqa, went and checked what uh, Polygon had available. Polygon DAO had uh, some, some funds available there. I applied for that as well, just went through the process like everybody else. I mean, it's a public process and it's not just one person that's determining that, which makes it even more decentralized, you know, that mm. people are actually looking at the work and not the person to give you what you need. I mean, a lot of people still think that I'm a man just because they don't know who I am and they just assume, oh, you know, it's, it's Web3, so it must be another man doing another project. But sometimes when I show up, uh, they're like, oh, well, so, so we're still waiting for Boomi. Like, sure. Yeah. So let's wait for Boomi. <laughs> No way. It was a funny conversation. Just, I still had this happen to me like about a month ago. And I was like, oh, so we're waiting for the founder. Okay. All right. We'll wait. <laughs> but I'm a witty person. I really love you know, comedy. So I, I usually like to play along with things like that. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Where can people find you? And are you still looking for beta testers to sign up? No, absolutely. We are in, the, uh, in our public beta test now. So anyone can go to our website. Uh, that's coralapp.io and uh, download the app and um, play with it and give us feedback. Fun fact about this beta test, sorry, before we go, for at least one year, I kept it as a closed beta just mm. because I was afraid of the criticism that might come with the product. And I literally woke up uh, one day, December of last year and said, you know what, we're going to go public and I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it scared. I think since then, that's where the, that phrase, I'm going to do it scared, comes from. Because I tell myself every day that it's been a great ride and uh, we keep going. That's incredible, Bumi. It's been such a pleasure. I'm going to close us out with just a two-minute mindfulness exercise. I care so much about health. And it's funny you mentioned, like, people usually just go to the doctor, like, once a year. I've been going a little bit more frequently just because of coughing a lot. And then my baby was in the NICU for the first month of his life. And so we have a lot of check-ins to make sure that he's doing okay. Um, so recently I was at the doctor and uh, my blood pressure was very high. The nurse was like, wow, are you nervous? Like, what's going on? You don't have a history of high blood pressure, do you? And I was like, no. And I was like, I'm, I'm a little stressed right now because I'm still breastfeeding and my kid just got teeth. And she was just like, oh. She was like, you know what? Let's do a breathing exercise and let's get that blood pressure down. It was mind-blowing to me because I had been in the mindfulness space for 10 plus years now, and I was leading people in meditation. And so to have this nurse 
literally recommend to me to do a mindfulness exercise to lower my blood pressure. I was shocked. And so right now I'm going to lead you through that same exact mindfulness exercise because you brought up how blood pressure is just a silent killer and it really is. And stress is a killer. And so let's kill some stress right now with this two minute mindfulness exercise. Um, let's do it. I'm ready. Yes. So wherever you are, go ahead and take a seat, lie down. You can close your eyes if you're comfortable, but you can also find a soft focus in front of you. Breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. One more breath, just like that. Good. Now just focus on the breath and listen to my voice. You have nothing you have to do right now except to breathe. Pay attention to the body. Scan your body from head to toe and notice any points of tension in the body. Are you clenching the jaw, the tongue, the belly? Relax everything so the body is heavier. Feel your rib cage expanding as you inhale. Good. Now I want you to imagine that you're on a nice beach. The sand is nice and warm to the touch of your skin. The wind is blowing slightly. It's the perfect temperature, your favorite weather. And waves are just bashing against the shores in the background. It's so peaceful here. You're safe. You're just here to breathe and relax into the sand below you. The waves are like a beautiful melody in the background as they crash in and out with the breath. Just melts into that picture. Let's take one last deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. And you're back to wherever you are. The beach is always there in your mind if you need to escape to somewhere nice and peaceful. Good job. <laughs> that was actually good. That was really good. I, I literally just got to the beach when you were telling me to come out of it. I'm like, wait, it's, it took me some time to get inside this beach, but you know, just wait for me. I there. Know. <laughs> that's the thing about, that's the thing about mindfulness. Like it can take a minute to settle into it. And I love to do the 10 minute ones. So those ones are the relaxing ones, but. That was I, good, I, great job. That was awesome. I liked it. Yeah, good. <laughs> and it was crazy because after she took me through that exercise, my blood pressure was immediately perfectly healthy. It was skyrocketed. And just with a couple minutes of breathing, my blood pressure was lower. So check that out, guys. Thank you so much, Bumi, for being on the show. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Women Who Web 3 podcast. You can find us on the Coindesk Podcast Network or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Cams. Thank you for learning and growing with us. And I will see you at Consensus. You've been listening to Women Who Web 3 with host Kamala Ancantara. This show has been produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau. Executive producer is Jared Schwartz. Our theme song is All Night Long by Lunera. Cams would love to hear from you. You can reach out to her at cams, K-A-M-Z, at womenwhoweb3.com 
or podcasts at coindesk.com subject line women who web three. Thanks for listening.